the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And welcome to the third hour of Backbone Radio. So glad you're on board. Your ears are near this September 17th, 2023. Got to be getting a lot in. We've been chatting to everybody all over town and a few other states in the last two hours of the program. But I was leading up to just a brief conversation about Argentina, okay? And my interest was spurred in this in that Tucker Carlson had a nice interview with Javier Millet. And am I pronouncing that name properly? Uh, He is the populist, the Trump-like candidate running for the presidency in uh, Argentina. And he looks on track to be victorious. Okay. And let me see if I I just have to get the name right. Yeah. M-I-L-E-I. Javier Millet. And uh, I remember I had a friend who would pronounce that name Javier, but uh, no, let's let's call it Javier, Javier. Anyway, apparently Javier Millet has got a big lead, and he's probably the most famous polit- political figure in Argentina. He was a former soccer goalie. He was a member of a Rolling Stones cover band, and his hair does kind of look like Mick Jagger hair, or maybe even Keith Richards hair. Kind of a mop-top kind of guy. Looks like right out of, what, 66, 65, somewhere in there. What would that be, the can't-get-no-satisfaction days of the Stones? I guess that was 64. Anyway, uh, but he's also an economist, a free-market economist, and he is very, very, very anti-socialism. And he says, it was 100 years ago that Argentina began listening to the siren song the seductions of the socialists, and that really screwed over Argentina for the last 100 years. What are the two cardinal tenets of socialism? One, the abolition of private property. Two, the equalization of wealth. So Argentina went down the socialist road, or at least significantly went down that road, started going down that road about 100 years ago. And it's fascinating to look at the history of the United States of America versus the history of Argentina, and that Buenos Aires used to be called the Paris of South America, a glorious city. I've been there a time or two myself. And um, people thought, yeah, Argentina, boy, that's going to be the real superpower of the future. Abundant natural resources, a big bunch of geography down there, Argentina way, an educated population. And a lot of the prognosticators, you know, back over 100 years ago, thought Argentina was going to be the country that would get somewhere and that the United States of America would not get anywhere. But what happened? Yeah, Argentina went socialist. And the United States of America did not until 
here lately. I don't know what you would call America right now. We're not yet totally socialist, but we're, uh, we seem to be under attack by some kind of a socialist, some would even say Marxist-type, Alinsky-type invasion of the United States of America. And, I, I, you know, the, uh, the, the greatest antidote to socialism I've always been saying around here is a prosperous middle class is a middle class in which families can work and provide for their own families and take care of things, accumulate capital, have private property, and get somewhere in life. And I just saw I, that that's one of the reasons that America has not succumbed to socialism, to Marxism, is because we've had our strong middle class. And we've been educated enough in that middle class to not go there. You can look at Argentina as a good example of where not to go. John Hayward over in Breitbart has a quote about this, quote, The great enemy of socialism is a large middle class, a combination of voting power through great numbers and independence thanks to a solid income and accumulated capital. Those people don't vote for high taxes, irresponsible spending, and rule by an idiotic managerial class, end quote. That's what's been saving our bacon is our middle class in this country. And that is in part why I have been very supportive of Donald Trump and the MAGA America First movement, because I see that as the way to preserve, support, sustain, and grow our middle class. Trump had four years in office, and he grew our middle class. Look at the economic data, and it was the super rich that did not do as well under Trump, but the middle class did great. Then you get Biden in there, and now the middle class is suffering, and now the elites are doing pretty darn well. You see how that works. And by the way, an artist sent in a text to studio that uh, Steve Schmidt saying, oh, Trump's going to destroy the government if he gets in there, revenge on the government. But Trump had four years in office, and did he do that? You see, that argument Steve Schmidt makes, the rhino, is pretty weak. That's the thing, is that they can pull all these stunts and try all these things and attacks on Trump. And it was one thing to do it in 2016. Trump had never been president before, but to do it now, people are like, give me a break. Just give me a break. Just just buzz off, dude. Anyway, you listen to that, that interview, and it, he was speaking in Spanish, so I couldn't bring in any clips. But uh, this Javier Malay talks about, you know, what we need to do in America. He's giving advice to America to avoid what has happened to Argentina is just never give an inch to the socialists. And that was Millet's advice to Trump. Never give an inch to the socialists. Okay? And what Millet says he wants to be doing in Argentina, running for president, is get private property. Make sure we have very strict code of private property, which is the best antidote to what the socialists want to be doing. Okay? Is eliminate private property. And he's quoting Milton Friedman was this Argentinian economist, rock star, soccer star, who seems to be on track to win. But it's very refreshing. He uses a lot of this great economic language that I've spent many years studying. And with apologies, somehow or another, I was drying up a little bit. But um, this Millet bashes the government. He's, he does not like the government is going to do it inefficiently. The government's going to screw everything up. The government's going to end up putting you in servitude. 
okay, if you put the government in charge of things, you got to let the free market work. And it's very fascinating to hear this. And they've learned in Argentina from hard experience. And they're currently suffering from hyperinflation, a desperate, declining middle class. Every, you know, the poverty and so forth is, um, is really lamentable in Argentina. And the suffering you have seen in Argentina over this past hundred years, wow, right? And they have been through a lot down there. And not too long ago, I did a, uh, a dental mission down to Argentina. We, a uh, bunch of dentists, we worked in various makeshift clinics uh, from Buenos Aires on up north. And we did get a uh, very close look at some some tough situations of people living in poverty and no access to dental care, no access to health care. And that was a definitely an eye-opening scenario for me. And, of course, having read all my economics and knowing the history of Argentina, I thought, you know, this is what socialism does to real people. This is the impact that people have. And, you know, we would go through some of these barrios where it's, you know, it's all dirt with all these shacks together with uh, the ten corrugated roofs. And you'd see, like, one satellite dish sticking up out of every, you know, 20, 30, 40 of these uh, these uh, huts, or what would you call them, that people live in, dirt floor huts, uh, big families, a lot of kids. And why would they have a satellite dish? Because um, if you could get one neighbor somewhat close to you who can get the TV on to watch the soccer games, you know, you got to watch soccer in Argentina. That the, the 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 community would congregate and whoever had the TV and watched the soccer games down there, but that that was Javier Malay's advice to Trump: Do not give an inch to the socialists, or you'll end up end up like us down here. Okay, desperate people, hyperinflation, and he there he is quoting Milton Friedman and the rest of them, bashing government, bashing socialism. We understand why there has been a divergence between us and them. I hope I hope we're clear on that. Let's keep it going. Give a little bit of your time to Backbone Radio. Why not? As a texter to studio said, boy, it's worth it. You're worth the time. Ah, I am honored. Honored. Blessings to George out there in Westminster. And yeah, we're talking a little bit of Argentina. How come Argentina got so poor and became such a disaster over the last 100 years where in America we got rich? We got rich. We thrive. We built a middle class. Well, Javier Malay running for the presidency of Argentina right now in an increasingly desperate country is running against socialism. He says Argentina went socialist off and on, but started about 100 years ago, and they screwed up what could have been a wonderful, wonderful country with all the land and all the resources and the rest of it. But they were not, they were not seduced by freedom. They did not understand what freedom and a free market could do. All right. So uh, that's, that's what Argentina did. And um, when I was in Argentina on a dental mission, I you know, I saw a lot of Che Guevara stuff. I guess Che Guevara, the Cuban revolutionary type, the communist Marxist guy, was from Argentina. And uh, I started researching this Che Guevara guy at that time. And uh, I do commend Guevara for having a determination 
to try to overturn a corrupt ruling class. And I do commend him for his genuine compassion for people leading miserable lives. But he got everything else wrong. Once they got into power, they wanted to keep all the power for themselves. And they ended up making things worse, did Che Guevara and Fidel Castro in Cuba. They made everything worse. They increased the suffering. And that what they did, this is what people do, is they want to go in and get power for themselves and not let go of it. And that's the story of what Guevara, his legacy is, and all kinds of violence and commitment to his socialist Marxist ideals. So a lamentable figure historically who got everything wrong, okay, but I do believe he started out from a from a root of um, of genuine desire to improve, but he just couldn't figure out how to do it, and he got all the wrong ideas in how to do it, okay? And I think, you know, you can see Argentina did something similar. And, man, they should get back on track. And this Javier Malay, who has all these great uh, complimentary things to say about Donald Trump, and, boy, he knows socialism. He knows he knows how that screws everything up when you get rid of private property, you try to forcibly equalize incomes, and you try to put the government in charge of everything. Because all you do is empower the ruling class. You empower the people that have the connections with government. They own everything. You own nothing. Does that make sense? And that is a recipe for absolute disaster and absolute suffering. And I did see quite a bit of that running around Argentina. And... Um, you know, just one vignette uh, talked about that. You know, there's this love of soccer in Argentina, as we know. Uh, one night um, in these clinics that we were kind of setting up and working in, you know, doing uh, dental care for people, who, but they, they would walk miles. They hear, oh, there's American dentists here. They, they would walk miles to see us, and we would do our best to help people that were so in need of help. But uh, some folks said, "Hey, uh, come watch a soccer game with us, and we'll we'll come get you, and we'll come watch a soccer game." And so this this uh, this fellow had a car and he drove over to pick us up. Some of the dentists and was like, let's go, let's go watch a soccer game uh, at night. Anyway, we hop in the back of this car. We realize this, this car does not have a floor in it. And I'm sitting there, I'm watching the, um, the drive train. <laughs> I'm watching, you know, everything spin under the, under the, under the car. And of course we drove over some puddles. There was some rain. And so we were getting splashed, hosed down, inside this car, but this guy at least had a car. He was so proud of it. Anyway, we drove to this gas station in uh, some this little town, this kind of village, where the gas station had a TV. And so, man, they had dozens of us packed into this gas station. It was probably 100-plus degrees inside, but we all sat there and we, we watched soccer, stood there, standing room only, to watch soccer there. But, you know, again, you see, they're, they're, these people are sort of they're imprisoned they're, you know, they're, poor people are imprisoned by a socialist system that was forced upon them by a corrupt ruling class and they're, they're trying to find hope and, and and joy in life and you know some of that came through vicariously you know watching other people play soccer right and that's you know one of the national passions of Argentina but I do remember one time I'm working in this dental clinic that we had set up in kind of this this shack and I would see chickens walk by, like we just walk by. We were, we were working, we were on dirt floor. These chickens would walk by and kind of walk around my legs when I, you know, I'm trying to do. I was like, boy, I've never done that before. You know, trying to practice dentistry with like chickens walking around my legs. And I remember that that was kind of striking. And one thing I did see a lot. There's all these like uh, these black plastic bags laying on the ground in a lot of places. And I 
finally I said, what are these black bags that, you know, you see kind of littering around us? Apparently there, there was glue. And so there was like a glue epidemic in this, some of these areas where we were. And I guess people would get these bags of glue very cheap and they would, you know, could tear off this seal and like sniff, sniff glue. And I, I found that kind of heartbreaking when I, when I learned what, what those black bags were. But again, socialism creates so much suffering, ladies and gentlemen. The only way I see forward politically, realistically right now, is the MAGA movement that Trump is graciously spearheading. That's how you keep the middle class intact. That's how, you know, you put America first, not America last. And with the people in charge now, they want to put America last. They want to put you last. They want to put the middle class last. They put them first. Biden wants to advantage his own personal bank account via his like family members and son Hunter. That's what they're about. Biden makes his own family rich. He does not make your family rich. Trump does want to make your family rich. And he did that in his first term in office. Yes? We're clear on this? This is a very, very big deal. And Javier Malay in Argentina, they've learned that by hard experience down there. And let us not go further down this road of socialism in the United States of America. That's, I feel very strongly about that. And I like to share those thoughts. But let's get to some phone action and say hi to Mike in Littleton. Mike, welcome. So glad you're here. Hi, Matt. How are you? Doing fine. Hey, um, by the way, I did see that uh, uh, interview, Tucker Carlson yes. and Javier. And yes. um, if I can repeat the stats back correctly, I remember him saying 44 million people total in Argentina right now, only 10 million are currently working. And out of those 10, 3 million, one-third, are government employees. Wow. Now, I found that to be stunning, but I also started thinking about our famous administrative state and, you know, the yep. book you recommended, Mr. Marini. Yep. And, uh, uh, yeah, we have got to dismantle that because it's headed in the wrong direction. And like you say, Trump is one of the people that could get it done theoretically. Yeah, well, I don't see anybody else with enough support to get anywhere, frankly. And uh, and he's, yes. he's done it in his first term. And many of us would say, I wish he would have dismantled more of the government <laughs> and more of the administrative state, as you say. But that's what, you know, this rhino Steve Schmidt guy, if you heard that segment in the last uh, in the last hour, they're all, oh, no, he's going to destroy the government. Oh, no. But, what, 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 what a terrible thing to do, I'll tell you. Yeah. Um, hey, I wanted to run a theory by you. Now, this is something I cooked up here in my lab, uh, but uh, it's the head people versus the heart people. Uh -huh. And uh, the, the, the head people tend to operate in the outer layer of their brain, you know, the cerebral cortex, and they're yes. very logical thinkers. And an example would be our radio host or Brian, Brian in Arvada, uh, another good example. But they're logical and, and they're problem solvers. And yeah. then you have these heart, you have the heart people, and they tend to operate underneath that outer layer in the, it's called the limbic system, the reptilian brain. Yes. And that's where all the feelings and emotions are are centered, um, you know, fight or flight and, you know, sadness and anger. So I, I maintain that, you know, it's the heart people behind a lot of this stuff, like renaming Mount Blue Sky. Right. Well, um, it makes them makes them feel better. We're getting into but neurology it, here, limbic system and it, cerebral <laughs> cord. I love it, Mike. And let, you, me, let me just bet. say, you're, you're definitely 
onto something and keep keep cooking that up in your lab. Let's let's revisit. Thank you, sir. Oh, tell me that sometimes Bob Seeger doesn't hit the spot, man. Night moves by the great Bob Seeger. I have to say, when you, sometimes you hear Bob Seeger and you're kind of like, I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting Bob Seeger all of a sudden. And then it sounds so darn good. That's just my bias, obviously. Night moves against the wind, Hollywood nights. That Detroit guy could could belt it out. Sometime, go on YouTube and look for some Bob Seeger live performance videos like if you just choose a song and some of his life man that guy that guy that guy anyway sometimes i distract myself with our own bumper music but at any rate off to the phone lines i wanted to work one thing in as i am wont to do but donald trump had a great interview with megan kelly the other night megan kelly remember all that conflict back in the 2016 and the Rosie O'Donnell thing, and it's great. Trump goes, sits down, hour and a half with Megyn Kelly. They've had a hostile relationship all the way along, but Trump had a great interview. I mean, you know, their relationship is back intact. I love it. It's kind of a new Trump, 2024, and just just a snippet of what Megyn was saying. I will tell you, from my perspective, I thought it went very well. I thought he did very well, uh, and he withstood some tough questioning. I did not go easy on him. I didn't, like with DeSantis, the goal was not to emerge with Trump's jugular, as some would like to have seen. Um, I thought it was fair, right? There were like some questions for him, some questions for me. Uh, and that's, I think, how it should go. There should be a good flow to any big interview, uh, like with a former president. And I give him a ton of credit. I mean, you tell me, could Joe Biden have done that? Could he have done five minutes of that? Just five minutes, never mind an hour and 20 or however long Trump and I were together, it was almost an hour and 20. Exactly right. Biden could not have withstood, he would have been in the fetal position in 60 seconds, sitting there talking to Megyn Kelly. Trump went in there, peak form, peak of his game, has a great chat with Megyn Kelly. It's contentious, there's some back and forth. But it was wonderful, and it's great to see them coming together. I'm like, hey, let's hold hands. Let's hold hands, everybody. It's one, I'm getting that, my, what was it, my limbic system? I'm getting that warm... Fuzzy feeling. Anyone else? Yeah. Anyway, Trump's putting himself out there, doing some relatively hostile interviews, and doing a great job. And it's persuading them of the people that maybe would have been, you know, reluctant 2024. Did you know that Trump is up with suburban women compared to 2020? He's up 13 points with women in general, up 10 points. He's up with... With black voters, seven points. He's up with voters under age 45 by six points. He's up with Hispanic voters by seven points. Biden is down in all of those same categories. Trump is beating Biden in six of the last nine major national polls. He's ahead in the RCP polling average. Trump's on track to win in 2024. Don't even need to talk about the primary anymore because DeSantis has had a very hard landing. Mm. Oh, well. And uh, and it's onward with MAGA. But Trump goes in and talks to Kristen Welker, the narrative engineer propagandist at NBC News, and just hear this one and wait for Welker to say, well, there's no evidence. No evidence. That's their propaganda, but there's no evidence. And again, Trump, she, 
Kristen Welker starts the interview with a, you're, you're going to go to jail. You see how they set that up? You see how the media works? It's all propaganda, just so we get this in. You are facing four indictments, 91 felony charges. If you would say it properly, I'm facing four Biden indictments. He told the Justice Department to indict him, or Merrick Garland said, let's indict him. Let me ask you this, Mr. President. They indicted their political opponent. I just want to hear from you on this. I want to know what's in your head. When you go to bed at night, do you worry about going to jail? No, I don't, really. I don't even think about it. I'm built a little differently, I guess, because I have had people come up to me and say, how do you do it, sir? How do you do it? Uh, I don't even think about it. Uh, These are corrupt people that I'm dealing with. They're destroying our country. I don't even think about it. All I think about is making the country great, making America great. Look, these are political. These are banana republic indictments. These are third world indictments. The president of the United States sees how we're doing. We have a movement, the likes of which has never happened in this country before. And you see it with the polls. I mean, I'm up on these people by 60 points and 59 points. I don't mean at, I'm at 59. I'm leading them by 59. You almost say, like, why are they campaigning? Asa Hutchinson, he's at zero. Christie's at two. Other ones are at one. Uh, DeSanctimonious is at nine. I just see a poll come. I mean, I'm leading him by... 60 points. Mr. President. And you say, why are they doing it? But here's what they did. They saw this happening. And he went to the Attorney General of the United States and he told them, indict Trump. There's just no evidence of that, oh, Mr. What? President. You mean but let's, let's stand Okay, there's no evidence. Yeah, yeah. See, that that is, it's the buzz phrases that the propagandists, the narrative engineers like to use. They want to say, oh, they want to, they start out the interview. And she says, you're going to jail, right? You worry about going to jail? Next question is, hey, would you pardon yourself? Do you see what loaded, cockamamie, propaganda questions they are? And Trump, by the way, hits him out of the park, just brings it home. People watching and listening to that and millions, you know, probably get exposed to that. They're like, yeah, 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 I, yeah we see it. But just so you know, the scripting, and I could go on on that that unfortunately, and Megyn Kelly was saying this, we don't have journalism anymore. All we have are hired propaganda hacks that do the propaganda and study how to do the propaganda. It's not like rhetoric and poetics of Aristotle. How do you persuade people? Like Aristotle and Cicero, how can I make the best argument to persuade? It's all about how can I cuddle up to my oligarch owners of my media outfit so I can climb the ladder? And that's Kristen Welker, who is the new Chuck Todd, Right. So she climbed the ladder and she throws out the propaganda narratives. And as we know, that's what we're going to be dealing with. And as we know, nobody better at handling all of that than Donald Trump, right? I've been studying Aristotelian rhetoric, by the way, and uh, I have a whole monologue to do on that. And I just don't have time tonight. So consider that one backburnered for now. And let's get to the phone lines and thank you for holding. Jay in Castle Rock, glad you are here. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Yeah, I really like Megyn Kelly. I really have always enjoyed her uh, delivery and the fact that you can tell she's thinking on her on her feet. She's not reading the script. She There's a freshness about her that she did not have in the Fox News days where she was having to do what the Murdochs wanted and trying to tear down Trump. And she said that those people were trying to ruin her career. And now she's kind of free. She owns her own platform. She can say what she wants. And I, I'm respecting her now. And you don't know where she's going to come down on stuff. She, you know, she's hard on people. She's hard on Trump. But there's a sense of fairness about her 
So I, I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a great clip, and Trump fires back like he's playing racquetball. You play racquetball, just keeps smacking him back at him. It's just beautiful. He's <laughs> yeah. so sharp. Totally. You know I mean? Boom, boom. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, I actually called to talk about your socialism, communism. Yeah. It sounds like you spent some time, and I have yes. spent lots of time in different countries. So I want any of your really liberal listeners, you know, perhaps next week, a challenge. Give me some country, one country where socialism and communism, one and the same, have excelled in anything other than oppressing the people, killing the folks that speak up. Do they make cars? Do they make products? Are they exporting anything? I want to hear one country that's done well. Right. You mentioned a few. And are they drinking uh, vodka? Are they sniffing glue? You know, I mean, yeah. what? And that's where we play the Jeopardy music. Do, dee, do, do, you know, while they're struggling for an answer. But that's that's the thing is, there is no place, all right? I remember somebody, I asked that question once, too, and they said, well, there was a, a, a commune in Paris that socialism was perfect back in the 19, early 1900s. And I thought, no, that's that's pretty weak answer. Um, but socialism, all it is, is a way for a bunch of gangsters to get into power and have them own everything. And they sell it by saying, you know, by stoking resentment and saying, you know, hey, we'll have everybody have the same once we get in there. But of course it doesn't. All it is, is the ruling class, the vanguard, the Marxist elite gets everything and no one else has anything except maybe, you know, the glue bags and the vodka and, uh, and poverty, right? The 1% gets it all. You know, yes. When uh, Marcos had uh, take it, took over the Philippines, you know, he, he killed what he needed to, gathered up all the guns, and then the ladies need to understand, then he took all of the women's shoes and gave them to his wife because his wife had like, I don't know, 50,000 you know, pairs of shoes. In, yeah, Marcos' Philippines, no one had shoes except for his wife. Nope. That's right. In the Philippines. Right. Only, Everybody... only Imelda with her closet of, full of shoes. Yeah. <laughs> the Wayfaring Stranger, that version by Susie Bogus, and I just love that version. That's our sacred number tonight on this sacred Sunday across Colorado and beyond. Again, a big salute that your ears have been here, that you've texted, that you've called in, that you've listened to a bit or a snatch or all of what we've been talking about here. And we're doing our best to just keep that torch of truth aloft at a time where it's not always easy to do so, may I say. And I'm going to go talk to Charlene in Arkansas. I've got this little clip here. Uh, Candace Owens sums up what I've been saying. DeSantis does not have the it factor, but yet Trump does. Because DeSantis has an incredible resume. Yeah, resume doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. And and unfortunately, people hate to hear that, to accept that as a truth, where it's like, well, he's done all of these things, and this means that he should be president. It just doesn't work like that. Um, The number, I would almost say the number one thing is you got to have the it factor. I mean, and it has to do with how you warm the crowd, how the crowd responds to you. Trump has it. I mean. Yep, the it factor. That was my one question mark. Does DeSantis have the it factor? No. No, he does not have the it factor chuck schumer was one of the first people wanting to impeach trump back when he took office but somehow he's not interested in having biden be impeached i mean 
Oh, hypocrisy. The Six Ways from Sunday guy, Chuck Schumer. I think the impeachment inquiry is absurd. The American people want us to do something that will make their lives better, not go off on these chases and uh, witch hunts. The bottom line is, as we have said, you can only accomplish keeping the government open in a bipartisan way. How does Chuck Schumer even say that stuff? That is not just hypocrisy. That's like infinite light year, hypocritical, unbelievable savagery there. Washington Post talked about impeaching Trump even like the weeks before he took office. It took the the Republicans like three years to get around to trying to impeach Biden when they had all the evidence. (laughs) And the Democrats had zero evidence and made up all these impeachments about Trump from day one. You see how it works. Republicans are the Washington generals and... um, you know, the Democrats, I mean, just straight up lies. OK. And by the way, last one, the uh, wh- wh- why why was Joe Biden in the business meetings with Hunter? Well, it's because because Joe Biden loves his son. He, he loves his son. Like Ian Sams is saying this. One of the one of the Biden people, Team Mr. Biden President was uh, present at some of the meetings between Hunter Biden and his business associates. Uh, why was the president at those meetings on those uh, phone calls? Well, again, I think this is part of the right wing's misinformation machine to try to confuse people uh, about what the truth is. The truth is that the president, as he has said publicly for years, uh, calls his family every day to check in. He calls his son every day to check in. He calls his other family members to check in to see how they're doing. He loves them. They're they're a tight knit family. (laughs) Yeah, he loves his son, Hunter. That's why he was in the business meetings that uh, funneled millions upon millions out of other countries into the Biden bank accounts. It's because, just remember, ladies and gentlemen, that Biden is a man of love and he loves his family. He calls him, he checks in on him. He, he just loves him so much that he was in those meetings out of love. Had nothing to do with the extortion and the bribery and the rest of it and the millions to their bank. It was love. They're actually saying that, ladies and gentlemen. You got to love it. Okay. Just so that's in the record. And Charlene in Arkansas, so honored you could check in tonight. And how are you? Well, I'm fine. I was just about to give up, though. I I thought I was going to be on about 15 minutes ago. But this just brings uh, to mind my my words of the day. I love that guy who's uh, cooking up theories in his laboratory uh, (laughs) with the, the heart and the soul. But hard in the head but he forgot the spirit didn't he because the spirit is also very important and uh, I have a very good word uh, on that nothing else but seeing God in everything will make us patient with those who annoy and trouble us that would Mm. be Biden and the Marxists yeah you gotta blend Uh, a little spirit you don't want to be too cerebral cortex a lot of libertarians get too hyper rational about everything political and then I think they detach from human nature a little bit and humanity, and they just think, you know, you you can boil us down to a book. Yeah, then they will be to us as instruments for accomplishing his purposes toward his people. So anything we see as an annoyance, uh, see God in that, and that will help us in our spirit. But I do like his uh, uh, theories on heart and head. And also, I want to say that... uh, 
uh, Bob Seger, Dylan, and Van Morrison, I got to be, you know, up there with the top three. But I didn't think you had an appreciation for Bob Seger, but I see that you do. Oh yes, and I do. And then the other one, I do. And then I was, I was thinking. Now, who are the women equivalent? And, and of course, I, I think because I'm a folk person, Allison Krauss, Emily Lou Harris, and Susie Bondas. And then here you start playing Susie Bondas, wayfaring stranger. Well, so, great minds drink a lot. It's the least okay, I could so do, my, Charlie. The least I could do. <laughs> yeah. So my last point is Lou Dobbs has been hitting it hard on how Marxists have taken control and filtrated, and they've got just about everything except state red state legislatures. They've worked on that with the, the Paxton um, uh, impeachment in Texas, and they're still working on that. And, you know, uh, the Marxists infiltrate, and they've done it over the years. They've de- they did it in Russia. They were Those were Bolshevists. They were not even Russians. They came over from Central Europe and took over Russia. Then the Cristeros in Mexico in 1925. They, those were international communists. And the thing to remember is com- communism is anti-God. It's putting the state in front of God. And there's a big push to remove anything spiritual in our media. And an example of that is Coco Gauff. You know, she's a Christian. And she got down to pray after she won the um, U.S. Open. And oh yeah, said, yeah. Oh look, she's just resting. But she was on her knees <laughs> praying, and they said she was just resting. And then, uh, and then I didn't even see that one. Said, oh my gosh, really? Oh, you've got it. It's on. It's on YouTube. She got up and, and she was thanking uh, uh, Jesus Christ as her personal savior. Well, they left that part off on uh, the replays. And, and and so there is a real concerted effort, and it's not just uh, Christianity they want to remove any religion that puts that religion or that belief before the state. So yes. I think you nailed it, Charlene. Yes. And I think that is the main thing going on. And, and they put it into Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, liberals. But it's the, the, the communists, they divide and conquer. And that's what they're doing with us. And we've got to keep that in mind. And we've got to start loving uh, you know, our enemies, which we see they have frothed us into thinking they are our enemies, but and they developed hot button issues to divide us, you know, yep. and, and inflame us against each other. So, you know, I'm making an effort to make friends with liberals. Well, yeah, we, that, good. that's the only way we're going to beat them. That's the only way we're going to beat them is to come together and not let them divide and conquer us. Yep. And so I, have I got always... it all in, Matt. I've always had that attitude. You know, you always want to be out living your best life and socializing with everybody across the spectrum. But I do find it's the liberals who sometimes are not as interested in socializing, you know, with America firsters as much. But that's that's well, on know, them. We can find commonality on so many. Yeah, things. the hand is always out. Yes, right. We can't let them divide and conquer. Okay, thank you, Matt. Great well, show. Charlene, you are the greatest, the most amazing ever in the history of the world. Saddle pals. We'll see you next week. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.